Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to take a look back at the epic weekend of Premiership semi-finals and we'll be looking ahead to England and the British and Irish Lions getting their summers underway. Plus we'll be speaking to Quinn's coach Nick Evans about the big comeback and how his club has turned things around. So make sure you've subscribed, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. It's a massive week for us as we're hosting our first live show in 18 months at the Clapham Grand on Wednesday. We've got a Lions tourist from the 2009 tour to South Africa joining us, and you can watch it from anywhere in the world live or on demand for 48 hours if you register at dice.fm. If you're in the UK and you didn't manage to get a ticket, you can also stream it and get a case of eight free beers from Beer52 by signing up to their subscription service at beer52.com with the code RUGBYPOD. It's going to be a cracking night, so make sure you get involved. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Of course I am. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And I've got my little black book out, and I've made notes about the games which we can go through. And at the bottom, I've put travel question mark. I've still not booked my travel. <laughs> Just in case something happens and it got called yeah. off, and I didn't want to get too excited, and I'm going to book my travel. It's Monday. Podcast's out on Tuesday. Lads, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Oh, you're coming home. So you're English then, Jim, now, are you? Because we had this debate over the football on Friday. And you on the phone, you said to me you were supporting England because you're English. But then you say something different on Twitter with being a Scottish fan, do you? Did I say that? Well, you also texted me saying that you hope Bristol's put 50 points on Quinns. But let's not go <laughs> through our personal conversations. I mean, I'm coming home as in like, I'm coming home as in on stage that's what okay. I mean okay okay yeah. I'll be honest I ain't looking forward to it after the weekend I've had you know when you're like giddy and then you go out on Saturday night and we had a lovely meal with some friends and that lovely meal ends up being loads of drinks loads of bottles of wine amaretto sours getting home at whatever time it was and now I'm still jaded on Monday. No, don't don't do it to me don't do this to me it's like Andrew it's like when you are on a stag do and everyone is at the airport at six o'clock in the morning and the stag do is effectively ruined for two days because <laughs> everyone's absolutely bollocks at the airport and when they land in Ibiza at half eleven no one can see so don't do this to me Tuesday is a better day because I am coming in hot hot I'm coming in hot are you guys feeling mobile though because last time I saw you Goody you couldn't walk last time I saw you Jim you were lying horizontal peeing into a uh, 
Nutribullet container. Um, well, thanks for asking, Andrew. I'll go first. Lazarus, I'm back. <laughs> the wife said to me, isn't it ironic that for the last two weeks, you've been lying on your back when you've had to deal with the kids and you've had to do a number of stuff at the house. But now it's the week of the live show and you're out on your bike, you're bending down on the floor, picking up your bag <laughs> to pack it. And you can put your socks on again. You can put your shoes on again. I said, well, it's important. I said, I can't turn up to the live show with no socks or shoes. So I've got to make sure that I can do it. So um, I'm back is effectively what I'm saying. But I'm just going to take it easy. You know what? I I don't want to go nuts. I don't want to go nuts on Wednesday. I just want to lead into this new life, which we took for granted before all this happened. And just realize that I'm happy. I'm happy to be there. And I'm back. How's Father's Day, lads? Well, I didn't get what I wanted. What? <laughs> you didn't get a new back? You didn't get a new bike? You didn't get a Harley? You got your Harley t-shirt on, but what? No, none what of did that. you want? No, no, not material things, Andrew. Not uh, Peace and quiet. You know. <laughs> a quiet coffee, a stroll through town, no screaming, no shouting, no moaning, no bickering, no tantrums. I got all of the things that I, did, <laughs> that I asked that I didn't want. Andrew, it wasn't as good as yours because I didn't put it up on Instagram. So when you put stuff up on Instagram, it's either absolutely shocking where you've got to post something up and it kind of covers over all the cracks in one's life, or you just do what I do and silence, and that says it all. <laughs> when I, It's funny, actually. When you are silent, I know you're grafting with the kids. So, uh, but Mike, to be fair, Father's Day for me, obviously it was on Sunday. My missus says, you can have your Father's Day on Saturday. You stay home all day. I'll take the kids out all day, and you stay at home and watch the ruggers. So... Tip the slipper to the missus for that. And then what I didn't realise is I forgot we were going out Saturday night. Overindulged, some would say. And then Sunday, I had to battle through with the kids with a hangover. So um, What does battle through mean? So just tell me what Andy Goode has to do on a Sunday morning. I want to hear what battling in your life is. Oh, well, I got out of bed at half nine. What? Half nine in the morning on Sunday? Yeah, half nine in the morning on Sunday. Uh, we got in late. Luckily, the mother-in-law, she stayed over and looked after the kids. They were up at about Where's half Where's the eight. battle? And then... The mother-in-law went home and, and I said, oh, what? I really good plan, actually. I said to the missus, I said, kids love trampolining. Girls, do you want to go trampolining? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So took them trampolining. And obviously I can't trampoline. So I sat there and watched them as the missus was having to bounce around with the kids on the trampoline. So I, I planned it quite well, to be fair. But screaming kids, I feel your pain on a on a Sunday with a hangover, being Father's Day. You do want a bit of peace and quiet. I got it on Saturday and then I got given it back in spades on Sunday. I love how you call that a battle. That's let's just leave it there. So a lion till half nine in the morning and tr- tr- trampolining. Oh gosh, it sounds awful. Before we get into the Premiership semi-finals, we'll be running an end of season rugby pod awards very soon. So if you have any category suggestions, just get in touch on social media via email or through our website, and we may well be talking about your suggestion on the pod in the coming weeks. Let's look into the semi-finals now. Then some humble pie for you, Jim. For many people, not not just me, Jim. What did you say last week? Let's let's just re- re- rewind. You basically said it's ending here for Quinns. It's fifty points to Bristol's. The dream's over, and you went hard at them, didn't you? And then Marler gets his helicopter out, twenty-eight nil down after twenty-seven minutes. Don Brent gets a try before half time. They give them something special at half time. I don't know what was happening in that change room. And then they, they win. And what have you got to say to the millions of Quins listeners? We've lost a few, but what have you got to say to the millions of Quins listeners, Jim? We did it. <laughs> <laughs> we bloody did it. When the chips were down, when our DOR leaves, when the media's against us, when everyone is laughing at us, 25 
28 minutes into the game, our pants are pulled down, there's helicopters flying around everywhere, we're dejected and we're getting absolutely semied, we're getting absolutely peer-towed, Max Malins is flying all over the place, we are literally thinking to keep it under 100 points and with all that adversity, we bloody pulled it back <laughs> and who saw that come in? So Andrew, hand on heart, if you, well, you wouldn't be able to feel your heart, and on belly and feeling the contractions going in and out rapidly, can you tell me 28 nil that you think well no i know what you think because you text me but are you thinking quins are going to peel this back absolutely no chance you know we'll speak to nick evans in a bit and i'm sure they'll say there was belief in the camp there has to be belief like when you're playing the game there has to be if you're a quins fan you're not looking at that going yeah i can definitely see us come back and, and, and winning this game because bristol in that opening half an hour were it was probably the perfect performance wasn't it literally the lines the accuracy the precision of pass you know, you see Piertel waltzing through. He stepped about 14 players to get through the the line for the first try. The first phase off the line-out move when Morahan ends up scoring. Everything was working perfectly for Bristol. You know, the tries that they were scoring, it was just, it was literally the complete performance, wasn't it? The perfect attacking performance. And to be fair to Quinns, there was a couple of errors in there, but it was literally like there was nothing they could do. So anyone that believed that they could come back from that, no one could see it. In world rugby, as a player, you'd say, "Yeah, I believe we could always bounce back and you know regroup and nick a try." And but it was just ridiculous from Bristol. And then half time came, whatever Nick Evans, Jerry Flannery, Adam Jones. I think Adam Jones. I heard he took his top off and said, "Look, lads, you know this is how bad it could be. It ain't that bad yet. Let's get back out there." And all the boys were pumped. And I heard he said to the lads, "If we don't win this, someone's eating my belly button." That's. <laughs> What I heard coming out of the changing room. Um, and it was phenomenal, wasn't it? You know, uh, you look at the instances that created it. Malins, who was wonderful throughout the game, he drops the high ball, goes straight into Dombrant's hands. That gets them to 28-7. Dombrant ain't even celebrating at that point. They're like, fucking hell, we're getting absolutely hosed here. It's a try just before half time, but it allowed them some belief. And then they score the try just after half time. There's the Bristol playing out their own 22 and... Chisholm scores as well. It just generates belief, doesn't it? So those two tries that were gifted to to Quinns just gave them belief. And then they just started, you know, they grew. Uh, And as people have said before, they grew a set, didn't they? And found out that actually, um, you know, they can compete with this Bristol team. They can make the breaks. Liner was brilliant. What about the physicality on some of his shots? Yeah. Semi Randra, a couple of the breakdown shots. I don't want to be horrible to Mike Bram. He's obviously had an incredible career. But him being banned, giving that space up to Tyrone Green, I mean, you think with a name like Tyrone, you best be good. My word, <laughs> he, he was, is. Yeah. It, I, that's what I mean. Some of the play, look, apologies where it's due. Humble pie. I've had, had this perception of Quinns and the way they go about their business and, and the culture and stuff. Alex Anderson mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, the whooping and hollering, the moaning, you know, all them kind of interactions. I saw something in that Quinns team that I've never seen, that unity, but also at the end of the game, the emotion around Jerry Flannery, a man who's won everything under the sun for Munster. Yeah, I don't know any other team that would have come back from that in the way mm. in which they did to play into extra time. You know, Joe Marler playing as long as he did, you know, with a story that we heard that he had his, his kid or whatever the, the day before. You can only credit that. You can only credit the culture there that's been built in a short time. I and mean, we've seen it before. A new coach comes in, Alex Anderson, we've seen that sale. You get a spike. 
and I know you're closer to to some of the Quinns camp than I am, Andrew, but it goes a long way in terms of having that deep-rooted culture and whatever Nick Evans and that coaching team have done and making some big calls to let Mike Brown go, making some big calls and, you know, letting Rob Shaw go. I thought, I mean, let, let's say it, one of the best games I've ever seen. It was. And I think, you know, in defence of Mike Brown, he was actually playing... Brown was probably playing some of his best rugby before he got banned. So, you know, it's allowed an opportunity for Tyron Green just to flourish at fullback. You know, he was playing on the wing as well. Lion has come back into the team. And, you know, now you're looking at it and going, actually, next year, those boys can play like that. Are we going to miss Mike Brown? At some point, everything has to come to an end, right? So, Brownie's left. We know he's going to Newcastle. At some point, if he'd have stayed at Quinns, he'd have had to have retired anyway, maybe in a year or two's time. So, you need that progression. Um, You know, you look at... Don Brandt this year and, and how much he's come on. Um, you know, I know Rob Shaw's left, you know, in the back row. Look at Kenningham, the way he's come in and just, you know, he's smashing ball. He's about 12 years old. He remind, reminds me the way that he was going into tackles of Jacques Berger. I'll be honest with yeah. you. The way that he, he was putting himself about for a tall, rangy seven. I, I could, he's got a, if he can carry on like that, my goodness me. My yeah. word, he was phenomenal. So, I mean, as a club, you have to make these decisions. And, you know, I know there was a bit of back and forth around the Mike Brown thing where Brownie wants his, to finish his career here. They offered him contracts. Someone at the club, pretty senior, told me they offered him four contracts. And Mike Brown's gone out to the press and said, they didn't offer me a contract. But what they have done is found this collective ability to, you know, ultimate adversity. You're getting absolutely hosed by the top team. Pants around your ankles, skid marks on show. And I tweeted... Someone go in there at half-time, pull the pants up, because no one wants to see these kids. And someone listened, went in there, pulled the pants up, gave them some magic juice. The, probably the fear of having to having to lick out Adam Jones's belly button, as Jim said, if they lost. And my goodness, what a second half it was. What, extra time, Marla's tackle on Callum Sheedy when, you know, if he... Marcus Smith comes and puts the pressure on when he's going for the drop goal. That goes over. It's night nights. You know, with about five to go, they would have been 10 points up and Bristol had gone through. He steps him and then you're thinking, geez, Bristol could score a try here. Marla, 100 minutes in the tank and he's made a hell of a hit. And you're just thinking, you know, that there is there is that graft inside the Quinns boys now that, that there hasn't been previously. And a lot of the credit has to go to Billy Millard and the coaches who have, have galvanised this team. Uh, it's not a fluke they've gone on this run. They're playing a different brand of rugby from perhaps they did under Guzzi. And they all talked about their DNA. And you need not only your attacking DNA, you need some substance with it. And they didn't have the substance in the first half. They certainly had it in the second half and um, you know, thoroughly deserved in the end to be in the final. What about the high tackle at the end of the game on Piertown? Yeah. I'm not bringing the mood down uh, because I think this will maybe lead on to some instances in the other game and Rob Baxter's comments and stuff that, that came out of the extra uh, sale match and the week's gone by. Um, I don't think it would have made a difference. Bristol's were out on their feet. You know, they Harry Thacker, the poor lad, a double cramp in both his hamstrings, both his quads First and both start. his calves. Imagine that. He, he was like, I'm, I'm done. Like, you know, <laughs> put me down. I'm done, you know? Um, and I don't think Bristol's looked absolutely fucked at the end. So I don't think it would have had any outcome personally, but there's been a huge shift, right, in the referees, the way that they're looking th- looking at things. I actually thought it was a red card. I know the guys on commentary thought it was a red, and 
I don't want it. I want, you know, the way that Quinns came back, I'm happy that they won. I wanted them to win. We're going all the way. <laughs> we, I love the bandwagon, Jim. You've, you just flipped to someone else, don't you? You're, I can't believe you're actually on here saying you're a Quinns fan and we, we, we about you and Harlequins. It's the Harlequins, mate. We're the Harlequins. <laughs> but, but if Andy Rowe's not going to ask you the hard question, I'm going to ask you. High tackle, yes or no? Yeah, I thought it was a high tackle. I, there's, there's, a, there's one shot of him where you think it's shoulders to head. It's, yeah, it's certainly high. Um, uh, but I'm with you. I don't think that Bristol had anything left in the tank to go and win the game. I think they were down to 13 at the end, weren't they? So they and they were having to go from 88 meters out. But you can then argue that it kicked that penalty into the into touch and then perhaps got a penalty from a driving mall or something. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, does that change the result? I don't think so. It's definitely a high shot. And you know, there are ones that Jim mentioned. Worst one, and I'll come to it later, was in the Super Rugby final. Ash Dixon. He gets a yellow card and absolutely smashes or Terry Black in the face. I'm gonna to top here. Go Roman Intermax. Have you Well that's seen... a red. He's but he's got a red for it, hasn't he? So Wow, did you hear them on and, and I'm multilingual. They were talking carte de Jean. Like that yeah. that that line was in the framework of what they were saying. A carte yeah. de Jean. And for the multilingual people out there, that is a card of yellow. In French, Jim, just to let you know, they actually say carton Jean. Okay, well, so cartons, cartons of John, like it's the same thing. <laughs> you said cart de John, but yeah, I get you. That is one of the worst tackles I've ever yeah. seen. And they were talking cartons and Johns. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's the inconsistency of some are red, some are yellow, some are nothing. Um, and you know, anyone that's going up into a tackle now that's really upright, to me, it's a minimum yellow. And, and I think, yeah, Luke Northmore was very lucky, but I still think Quinns would have won the game if he's gone off for yellow either way. Well, it's an epic comeback from Quinns, and we can have a chat now ahead of the finals this weekend with one of the men who masterminded it. Quinns coach Nick Evans joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, Mandy, mate. How are you? Good, good. Nick, we were just chatting just before you came on. We've done it, haven't we? Look at us. We are now in the final. We've... I just wish I was there. I wish I was there to celebrate. Are we actually talking about Quinns on the show, are we? <laughs> We're talking you up an absolute storm. I'm happy to eat humble pie. And you wouldn't have heard us speak about it when you listen to it back because you're not that busy this week. You'll hear <laughs> the glowing report that we've spoken about. And look, I've spoken about it before, Nick. And, you know, I'm quite happy to put it out there that... Things haven't seemed right at Quinn's before. There's obviously been good parts to where you've played really well and then you've not backed it up. For yeah. me personally, again, it's easy to sit there and watch a game of rugby in, in hindsight. To go 28-0 down, right, there ain't any other team that's coming back. The way that you lads did that, and then you know, we'll talk about the emotion after the game, and then the raw emotion from guys like Jerry Flannery who's been around the block, he's won unbelievable trophies, he's been in fantastic teams. That's enough to show a denier like myself, how good things are at Quinns. I mean, how have you done that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jerry, Jerry's a brilliant one because this is a, a totally new experience for him, um, you know, coming from a from Munster, um, you know, different environment um, and to come to Quinns and kind of the way we do things um, is a little bit different. And uh, yeah, you saw the emotion. I even think there was a tear from him there um, at the end as well. So it, it's, it's hard to, to put into words, mate, really. I mean, I think, you know, I had to do the, the mid-half talk and I think we were 21 points down after 20 minutes. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, they said that you were shell-shocked. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, th I think we were. We were a little bit. Um, you have to give credit to Bristol. They were out, out unbelievable in that first kind of 20, 28 minutes. And uh, we just had to hang in there. And and that, those were the messages. And, and things just weren't going our way. But I think with this group and just the environment that that we have now, 
a, a belief and having gone through, you know, games prior to that, uh, the Wasps game, the Irish game, um, th- these little things help you in, in moments like that. And I think the halftime was the big one. And, and I'm not sure, like, if, if you know, but they at Bristol, they send the coaches, our away coaches, right at the top. So we're with the nosebleeds. So it takes us about five minutes to, to almost get down to the room. When we got to the room at halftime, um, the players had spoken. And uh, I think Joe, Joe said it. He said, look, we know we can come back. If there's anyone that doesn't think we can come back, you may as well get out of the room now. And, and everyone stayed. And I think that kind of just, in his own way, kind of released a little bit of the tension. We added a little bit. And we just said, look, you know, that, that try just before halftime was, was crucial for us. We just said we have to score next. We just have to build an, in, uh, build an innings. Gave a, a few little tactical things that we need to address. Uh, and then once you saw we got that momentum back, um, you know, we're, we're, we're a hard team to stop when we have that kind of momentum. I was going to say, have you been in to see Laurie Darrenpool this morning and said, mate, it was my wisdom at halftime. I need a three-year contract. It starts with a five <laughs> or a six and a massive pay rise. Or was it what we believe it was the threat? Adam Jones got his belly button out and said, if we're losing this game, someone's licking my belly button. Which one was it? I can't, I can't work it out. Poor old Bob, poor old Bob was having a heart attack. He was having kittens. Um, you know, Jerry was going quiet, which is just nothing. I was, I was standing up. I didn't really know what to do. I mean, and this is a young coaching group. You know, Charlie's there as well. And, you know, this is all new experience for us. And it's kind of the excitement about it as well you know we kind of just react to what we're seeing um we don't have this experience of a semi-final game and and the group doesn't have that experience you know we've got some great leaders in there you know guys that have been there you know obviously played in this but this is a new group that's been together you know young guys like marcus and alex dombrand they haven't been in these situations before so you know that they're, they're a little bit like deer in the headlights there and it needed it needed you know a joe and a danny and a steph louise to stand up and just calm them down a little bit and we were calm we just gave little bits of this here and there and um and then just said, just go out and just be true to us, true to what we are. There's no point. There's no point hiding away from it. We're 28 points or, or 28 five down boys. You know, we need to. We just need to get back into it, and and, and we can only do it the way we can. So, uh, and it was important. You know, 90 seconds after the restart, we score. Yeah, you mentioned Joe Marler and his um, words at halftime. And Joe's one of them guys where he divides opinion, right? But there's no doubt, and it's undeniable, how good a rugby player he is, right? Not just in the scrum, not just how long he stayed on the on yeah. the pitch for, but only came out recently. Didn't he fly in and a chopper? Who Did. sanctioned that? Whose idea was that? And, <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, I mean but it's quite a risky thing to do, isn't it? I mean, he obviously yeah. shows how important, but I mean, maybe a few lines on his performance and you know how much it means to him to be a Harlequin and obviously, um, yeah, how how good he was to stay on as well. I've, I mean, I've got um, the utmost respect for Joe. Um, you know, I've been honoured to pl- to play with him and now be on the other other side of it. And um, you know, he's he's a fantastic bloke and. And be honest, it was a tough week for him. You know, his, his, his wife, Daisy, love her wife, Daisy, and he's got three kids and he's got one on the way and we're not sure when it's going to come. And, you know, so there's a lot of emotion that, that's going around that. And um, it was important that we let Joe, um, you know, be where he needed to be during that week. Um, and he was brilliant throughout the week. You know, he, he was there when he needed to be there and he was at home when he needed to be at home, which is really, really important. And um, I think, you know, it was an easy decision to make sure that, you know, for him and, and, and the right state that he needed to be in, for his, and especially for his family, that if that, this was the way to do it, for to chop him down on the day, then that was the way that we needed to do it. And, um, you know, we fully made sure that uh, that we got that in place. Um, and, and Annie Sanger, sorry, our um, welfare manager was a massive, massive help and part of that. You know, he's he dealt with that along with um, Graham and, and, and Billy. And, um, yeah, and, and Joe came down and put in, yeah, arguably one of the best, Props performances ever, and just looking at the overall game, Nick, it's uh, you know coming back from 
where you came back from. It's the, the biggest comeback in Premiership history and it was a semi-final. You've been involved in some unbelievable games for Quinns over your time since coming over as a player. You think back to the Stade Francais game at, at the Stoop. You think back to winning the, the Premiership and um, also the winning the, the Challenge Cup as well. You've been involved in some unbelievable moments for that club. Where does Saturday sit? Well, no, nothing's been like that, mate, to be honest, for me. Um, I was talking. We were talking to Adam Jones and he's been in more, well, probably 200 more games than I've been in and high-profile games, and he hasn't been in a game like that before ever. And I think, like like you say there, emotionally, you know, we were on such a high, and even on the bus trip back, I think it was this morning we came in, and we're probably just getting on the, the back end of it. You know, we're still kind of on that bit of a down because you keep seeing, you keep hearing about it, you know, you get the text messages, everyone starts coming out of the woodwork, and which is great, and that's all part of it, and it should be. And But we also know we've got a big game coming up this Saturday, and it's important that this week is all about one, getting the boys' bodies right because we played 100, what was it, 104, 105 minutes of rugby. So that's that's priority number one. But two, making sure we get the emotions right because there is going to be a natural big come down from that. And it's then making sure that we don't just try and get them back up really quickly on, on, on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. It's got to be a real tapered uh, emotional kind of week for us. So, um, but for me, mate, yeah, like uh, it was just kind of shock, you know, I think. We're having a bit of a laugh about it. I think the coaches were looking at it going, this this could be 50 lads. And then the, the boys are at halftime going, really? Like, can we like, and you know, it, it's good to have a bit of a laugh about it. But collectively, when we got onto task and, and did what we needed to do, um, and you look at some of the, the performances, you know, um, you know, Wilco Lowe tackling Monaghan in the corner, you know, Lewis Liner tackling Sheedy, um, you know, when they went for the drop kick, you know, Marla coming across and little things like that. And then, their try disallowed, our try disallowed, you know, Dombrek goes close in the corner, the, the, the emotional roller coaster of that, and then going into a, a an extra time that's never happened before, I think, in the semi-final to not really kind of sure how this is going to play out and guys all over the place. So, yeah, it's 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 something that I've never really been involved with before. Um, and um, it's I do miss playing, but seeing some of those boys after 104 minutes, except for Joe Marchin, who looks like he'd just come off the tennis court for about <laughs> 10 minutes, it's ridiculous, but yeah. <laughs> Couple of beers on the way back. Definitely, um, I, and again, but then you know, this is the world we live in now. You know, it's it's you know, let's go back five or ten years back in your guys' day, or our our day, I could say. I'm not, I'm not that young. Um, you know, we would have t- torn right into it, but you know, it's 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 COVID now. You can see just what what's, what's happening. I think on the news with um, with uh, English football. You know, a couple of guys been in contact with uh, Scottish boys, and someone tested positive. So yeah, look, we, we enjoyed the bus trip back, and that was really important as well. And um, and then, then we're just going to look forward and, and get excited for this week. Yeah, what's been the shift, Nick, at Quinns? Uh, obviously, Guzzi going there, we spoke about in the podcast, like we do the headline things. I work with them at Saracens. Obviously, a massive story going there, bringing the wolf pack. And there was a spike in terms of how Quinns played at the beginning. Whatever happened with Guzzi's happened. And then you're kind of left to hold the reins. We saw it at Wasps when uh, Die Young left. And they had a spike in terms of their performances uh, last year as well. But again, I sound like a right fucking hypocrite when I talk about it. <laughs> you I, you are. Know, I, I, I am. I'm happy to say I am. But I look at the weekend, but just the way you went about your business, but also the young lads as well. Like Jack Kenningham comes in. Never heard of the bloke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Seen a little bit in the lead up. And I think it shows you everything by the way that he played, the way that he put himself in the way of oncoming traffic and the way that he was tackling Lewis Liner as well. We mentioned Tyrone Green. What's changed uh, since you've taken the reins? Yeah, look, I think um, a, lot, a lot of things, Jim, I think it's, it's hard to put it on one thing. I think, you know, obviously there's going to be a natural bit of a spike when 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 someone goes uh, and then when someone obviously comes as well. So I think, again, if I go back to Andy Sanger, you know, he's ex-military. He said, I remember the day when when, when Guzzi left, he, he 
gave him a, a great speech about some of the personal stuff he went through about sometimes in war, you know, something you lose a, you lose a mate or something, you've got to put a line in the sand and either you just cower away or you move forward and everyone takes accountability for it. And that was, that was something we all did as, as players and staff, you know, for Guzzy going, I think that was a big, a big shift for us just moving forward. And then, and then we just kind of tapped back into the DNA, obviously from when I first came over of what the club was about. Um, and, and, and this wasn't just us as coaches or medical or anything. It was a combined effort, you know, the players as well senior players or the whole playing group and just went back to, to, to get easy wins. We know we, we adjusted training a little bit and actually it's funny going into the semi-final, like all the narratives was, we can't do, we can't do it. You know, like they can't do it. Yeah. They score, they score tries, but they, they leak this and, and Bristol aren't going to let them score seven tries. Well, it's like, well, hang on. Well, why not? You know, like we win the first few games after Guzzy left and everyone's like, Oh, they won't be able to keep it up. They'll come up against, you know, big teams that do this and teams that do that. And then, who are you know, these idiots? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's true, and, and you know, like, like I, don't, I don't listen to all these things, but uh, people tell me this stuff. But you kind of go, well, actually, you just start building something, and you start, you know, you're working on the and the, the environment in the background, and um, this kind of freedom talk. But it's just a, it's just a collaborative approach to to trying to play the game that we know we can play. And you know, I go back to kind of what I do in, in coaching, and and you know, coaching through relationships and. Man, I try, I try and have meetings where I don't talk and try and let these guys kind of come up with it. You know, I try and let these guys coach themselves a little bit. You know, like the game's different from when I was coaching. I can't, I've got so much knowledge, but it's a knowledge from a game that I played, not a game that they're in now. You know, these guys, Marcus Smith, Danny Kerr, Alex Dombrat, they're in a game. They feel the game the way it is. So, you know, I need to be direct when I need to be direct with systems and, and, and structures, but, you know, I need to be supportive. I need to have advice. I need to shut up. You know, like some meetings, I just, I, I just want to sit there and not say anything and let them problem solve and come up with things because that's what they do in the that's what they do in the field. So, um, yeah, look, we don't get things right all the time, and you know, the players don't get things right up all the time, but uh, right all the time. Sorry, but you know, we're just trying to play a, a style that suits us, and we'll we'll keep adding to it. And at the moment, you know, we're we're getting some great results, and everyone's buying in. And um, yeah, we, we, and most important, we're just enjoying what we're doing. And you you look at the spine of the team that you just mentioned there, the eight, nine, ten axis. Um, obviously, Don Brandt, Danny Kerr, and Marcus Smith. I've been so impressed with Marcus Smith this season. Not that I wasn't last year, because he's he's burst on the scene and he's an incredibly talented individual. And you see these players come and go, don't you, with a ridiculous amount of talent. But he's now got the maturity. He's still about 16 in nappies and stuff, but he's got the maturity of a 30-year-old that's played 100, 200, 300 games of understanding, yes, when to press the button and go, but also when to control a game as well. And he's obviously learning a hell of a lot of you. There's a lot of Nick Evans traits that I see in him as well um, when he plays. How proud are you of his development? How far has he got to, to go still? And hopefully... We're going to see him play for England this summer, aren't we? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, I think he's he's done amazingly well. You know, I think when he first arrived, being thr- thrust into the kind of pressure cooker, you know, with Dimitri getting his throat injury, you know, he had to play. And he's played over hundred games now. You know, yeah. the kids, the kids only been you know starting for, for for two or three or three years. So, and I think you add the experience and around him at the moment with 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 Danny, you know, of Andre that's been around even though he hasn't been playing, but he's been in and around and. Obviously, Brownie when he was there, and and Joe and Steph. So the the world's his oyster, mate. You know, I don't, I can't really see a ceiling at the moment because of his exponential growth in terms of his ability and attack wise, he's he's on another planet. And well, the great thing about him, um, he's got great self awareness. He knows the areas of the game that he has to improve. He knows that when he came from school rugby, he can't just run around the halfway and look for a break all the time like he did in under 18s or school rugby. You know, you do that against Saris or Sale, you get in trouble and. 
next thing you know, you, you, you're defending more five meters out. So, you know, game management, the things that probably people don't see on Instagram, you know, like game management, play calling, you know, energy conservation of the forwards, um, you know, how to manipulate defenses through our shape when we need to have shape, um, when we don't need shape, what, you know, what do we do and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think that stuff now is, I've seen a massive growth and, Mate, he's just such a thirst for information. Um, he's so coachable. He's driven. He wants to win at everything. You come up with a, a, a game or a, or a drill and the first thing he's trying to work out how to win it and you've got to think of another bloody one because that doesn't work anymore because he's figured that out. So, um, and, and it's, it's brilliant. So I think I'm, he should be, should be playing for England this, this summer tour coming up. But um, obviously, you know, first and foremost, he wants to win a, win a premiership. There's been comparisons with him and Dan Carter. How far do you think he could go? Could could he get that good? Um, oh, look, I think it's hard to tell, mate. I think the, the, the kid's, what, 21, 22. So um, there's, there's a long scope to go. You know, I, I didn't even play professional rugby yet at, at, at 21, 22. So, you know, as I said, like the ceiling's so high for him. I, I, I kind of like him to, to Richie Mwanga, actually, you know, him coming through. Yeah. Um, you know, I see, I see a lot, a lot of him and, and, and Richie um, and, oh, sorry, a lot of Richie and him and just the ability to play within a system now and understands, you know, he understands our identity, how we want to play the DNA of the club. He's got that now. And now it's just ability to play within that, but still have the instinctiveness to play what he sees, which is, which is what rugby is all about, you know, like, um, so I think that's one super strength of Richie and I'm, and I'm seeing that in, um, in Marcus as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm just listening to you lads talk about him. I spoke to Warren Gatland a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how. I was doing an interview with him for the British and Irish Lions. You're still trying to get on that, are you? I know, exactly. It's all done. Embarrassing, Jim. Well, I think in 2013, when I gave away nine penalties in eight minutes in that game in Hong Kong, probably that was the <laughs> nail in the coffin. Um, hell, of but it was, hell of a trip that was. It was, I'll tell you what, it made me into the man that I am today. Um, <laughs> but... It was interesting because I, I was just chatting to him about different players. We were talking about different tens. We were talking about Sam Simmons being uh, picked for the Lions and not playing for England. And then he brought up Marcus Smith. He was like, look, you've got a lad playing at Harlequins who he thinks will be the next England 10 for the next six or seven years. It sounded as if he weren't that far away from the Lions from what Gatlin was saying. He, he was that big a fan. If Gatlin says he's good, then he must be good. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and that's that, that's 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 awesome because it just shows the growth of him and and also like the excitement of the future. Um, and again, I, I guess you go back because it's very easy, you know, us talking about it and and all these people writing up these things as they should because he's had a hell of a season. Um, the ability to know, and as I said, his, this is where his self awareness comes in. He knows what areas of the game he needs to work on. He knows what he's good at. He knows how to keep improving that. Um, and we just keep working on it. And, and look, it's not just me, um, you know, working with him, you know, that all the coaching group work with him, you know, uh, Jerry on defense, you know, he's got a great support network outside of rugby, you know, his family's really close to him. His brothers are brilliant. You know, I'm sure he's got like, I think he's still, you know, in touch with Johnny uh, Wilkinson. So like, I, I think he almost sometimes gets too much information, but you know, he, he's got such a thirst for improvement, um, you know, that the kids, um, you know, he, he's just, he's just growing and growing. So yeah, look, he's, he's fun to work with um, and, it, and it's great to watch him do his stuff when he's on form. Mate, if he needs my number, I can teach him everything not to do because that's what I did. All <laughs> Life, the time. Skills. <laughs> Life skills. Life yeah. skills. Don't drink like I did. Um, 
Let's look forward to this weekend then. Obviously, Exeter, it's their sixth final on the spin, which is a phenomenal achievement. And you know, a lot of people uh, will probably be predicting that they're the favourites. One, are you happy with that as a, as a Quinns fan? You're, you're happy to fly kind of under the radar. You don't want anyone else saying that you're definitely going to win it. And two, how, how do you attack this Exeter team? Um, do you change much up? Is it a completely different focus because they're a forward-orientated, you know, pick-and-go game, the driving mall? You've got to change a few things, but stick to your own DNA, right? Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I think um, it, we wouldn't be true to ourselves if we if, if we looked to change kind of the whole the whole package, so to speak. So, look, um, I think that, let's be honest, like Exeter, and unbelievable. You know, I'm um, I'm in awe of some of the stuff that they do. You know, they're, they're well coached. You know, Rob, Ellie, and and, and Julie are doing an amazing job. Um, they they lead kind of the premiership in, in in their coaching. Their squad is is fantastic. You know, some of their players. I've, I've really enjoyed watching them from. You know, almost. I know I'm against them, but watching them come through where they've come from to where they are now, um, you know, it's fantastic to see that. And they've, they've got big game experience, so we know a few areas that that we need to make sure. You know, obviously, you just alluded to it there around their forwards. You know, they're they're a very powerful side, and you know, you let them into your 22, it's pretty hard to to, to stop them um, coming away with points. So, you know, our discipline is going to be crucial. Um, you know, we've got to make sure that. The, the physical side of it on both sides of the ball um, is going to be a, a massive step up. But look, you know, like we'd, we've done our analysis, you know, we think we're, there's a few opportunities for us um, that we can, um, you know, have, have a go at them and, and and look to make it a really good game. But um, look, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, two good sides going at each other, um, maybe a little bit of a contrast in styles, but that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll go there like, like, like we did last week Um be true to ourselves. go there and, and give it a crack. You know, one thing we talked about last week was no regrets and it'll be the same message this week as well. All right, Nick, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. It was class and uh, best of luck for this weekend. No worries, guys. Have a great one. Cheers, Snapper. Cheers, Thanks, Luke. mate. Cheers, Cheers boys. We can do it. Cheers, yeah, good, good, luck, okay. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> See you, lads. Cheers, buddy. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kids' education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less, and one because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. 
I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Top lad. Yeah. What a lad. yeah, he really is. Legend. He really is snapper. Mate, I've obviously played against him a few times and he was such a good lad playing against him. What a bloke to listen to though about coaching. Yeah, that transition from, especially being at, you see how hard it is for some players that play at a club for so long, then go into the coaching team and that, that transition. But I could listen to him all day. What a bloke. I didn't think he was going to make it as a coach because in 2013 with the Barbarians, we were talking about doing a DSP, which is a dummy scissors switch or something like that, or a pop ball. Yeah. And I was I was running this short line and he might have been a bit hungover. He said that he didn't want me to get the ball on the switch. And I was adamant that that's where the weak spot was against the Lions in Hong Kong. Like I knew that they'd be <laughs> tired in that. And he was adamant that he weren't going to give me the ball. And ever since then, I was like, this bloke ain't going to make it as a coach. Because if he's thinking that not hitting me up on a short line is not going to benefit the team, then I don't know what fucking well. So, well, Farrell did it as well. Nick Evans didn't, just didn't give you the fucking ball, mate. No, no. Farrell wouldn't hit me on a short line. Nick wouldn't hit me on a switch for fuck's sake. So it's the same, it's the same like, thing. Just don't give Jim the ball is the is the motto. Well, there we go. It was right. You're such a bottle job, aren't you? Like you give it all the big one on here, and then someone from Quinn's comes on, and Snapper's a great bloke. You're like, we can do it, Nick. Nick, we can do it. Like I'm a big Quinn's <laughs> fan now. I, Who are I'm, you? Who are I'm you? I'm happy Jim? to say. I've are you never James? Been a are you fan? Jim? No. I was James then. I love Nick Evans and I love yeah. Adam Jones and I love Jerry Flannery. Now yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not lying. And you when love I say that. now. I, I, I don't know. No, I've still there's a still <laughs> a bit of being, being my bonnet. I'm growing to the way that Joe Marler's conducting himself. He absolutely hoses the scrum at the weekend against Bristol's. One of the lads comes in to give him a pat on the head and he pushes him away. He's like, I don't want to get patted. Leave me alone. Don't touch me. Clubs are built on culture, aren't they? And yeah. you look at all the people in charge of the very best clubs in that top four, and we've spoken to all of them, apart from Rob Baxter, who said he's going to come on if they win the Prem. Uh, they're all good blokes. And yeah. what I really like about it is, is when they're on BT Sport, and there is this interaction, like you hear them speak as the game's going on. Mm. And Nick Evans is, I mean, you know, you talk about lovely men and world-class players and now a top-class coach. There you go. That, that shows it, doesn't it? And you've got Jerry Flannery, who you, you only have to look at his career you look at Adam Jones the same and the emotion that they showed you've got three fucking top blokes at the helm and therefore it's going to filter through and yeah and fair play and I genuinely mean it and I'm happy to eat humble pie the other guy that's going under the radar a bit Billy Millard um who's sort of controlling everything without doing any of the coaching uh, he's a really good bloke as well at Quinn so um yeah they've got Jordan Turner Hall there as well and Charlie Moore I saw that some, I saw Jordan yeah. Turner Hall was back running the yeah, wall they're doing some of the uh, some of the coaching as well so they've got a team with a dna in it and hey look you know you have a coaching team and you know you look back at the success stories you know leicester back in the day they're promoted from within they get success exeter you can see the same thing coming through a lot of local lads you know building on that extra culture um and quinn's are, are doing the same within their coaching structure you know obviously nick evans has come through jordan turner hall's come back mccrone played there it's about knowing what your chris ashton's left club. Mate, Ashy, I mean... Poor bloke. Here's the thing, right? Ashy, Ashy, he played for Sale. He left Sale. 
He said they weren't playing the rugby he likes. Say I'll get to a semi-final and are absolutely flying. He leaves Arlequins because I don't know why. Culture's not like right. Him. The culture weren't right. not right. Arlequins gets the final. The common denominator, if you want to be shit, sign Chris Ashton. Worcester haven't won a game. I'm joking, Ashley, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, but true. Wow. <laughs> And what about the other semi-final? Sale threatened to produce a comeback of their own, didn't they? Very different game. And I don't know whether it's because all the excitement, and it led straight into that game. There was no build-up on TV. We didn't hear many interviews at all after the Quinn celebrations, like they just won the cup final. Um. <laughs> they, it's they now, is it, Jim? Now we go into another semi-final. It's they again. Yeah, well, it's Nick Evans. Like He's, he's a mate of mine. And obviously, it, it is a bit, a bit of we and they. But it was a very different game. And first 20 minutes, three tries, loads of talking points out of that game. Manu Tuolangi goes off with a yellow card. Uh, Capstick goes off. Mate, that's a red. 100%. And the issue now for Manu, let's just talk about that, Lions tour. Now, out of that game, I think there's one man that's going to be picked up to go on the British and Irish Lions tour, and that's Jack Knoll. But, you know, if Manu gets cited for that, he'll get cited for that, won't he, Andrew? In my opinion, it's a red. And the big reason he gave a yellow, because it's second, and it, it shouldn't make a difference. But I don't think Tom Foley wanted to give a red, even though he should have, because it's so early in the game and it's a semi final. So he's just gone with, oh, there's, there's limited force there. Limited force. You know, man who's come on the show, friend of the show, he'll know he's got it slightly wrong. And this is where you've got to be careful. You know, you need to take the line speed out sometimes as opposed to accelerating into a tackle because that's where the danger comes. And yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, to me, it's a it's a stonewall red, isn't it? But that's where the inconsistencies lie. And you, you can see the frustration on Rob Baxter after the game, can't you? You mentioned Jack Noel there. Big surprise before the game with Rob Baxter leaving out Stuart Hogg and putting Noel in there. I reckon. And then I, I didn't know anything around it until after the game where Rob Baxter mentioned that he dropped Hoggy. He dropped him because his performance wasn't good enough the week before and he wanted to get Jack Noll in. And looking back on the game, was it the right decision? I thought Jack Noll was absolutely phenomenal. But not to see Hoggy get on, that personally, I was gutted for him. You know what I mean? Because I know how much it means to him. We see it every time he plays. Uh, but look... You know, Exeter, they know, you know, the coaches know the game of rugby a lot better than I do. But personally, I'm gutted for Hoggy. But if we're talking frankly, I thought Jack Knoll was absolutely phenomenal. And if anyone's going to be sponsored by Red Bull, it's him, isn't it? How high can that man jump? Gives you wings, mate. Well, well that, you know, that's the line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you talk about Hoggy being dropped. And I, I already had a little niggle. And then actually Rob Paxter just confirmed. He said, no, no. He's dropped. And you look at the final this week, who are you dropping now? Because O'Flaherty played well. Alex Cuthbert, who's leaving, had his best game I've seen him play for a he long was time. Cl- he was class, yeah. And then Jack Knoll was, you know, had, had a worldly performance at fullback. So it's, yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I love Hoggy. Uh, I'm, I'm in Jim's camp. You want to see him play. And, you know, he's the sort of guy, and Exeter will get this because middle of the Six Nations, he's still going back and giving everything for Exeter. You know, some players go back to their club. I did it myself. When I was at Breve, went back, middle of the Six Nations, having to play for Breve, away at Dax. And I'm like, I ain't even making a tackle, boys. Where? I, Dax? Yeah, Dax away it was, yeah. I didn't Relegation battle. Did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's Hoggy going back and giving full beans. So it, he cares about it massively. And it'll hurt him, I think, hugely to, to be dropped for the semi-final. I just wonder whether he's going to put him back in this weekend. And if he does, who's he dropping? The only one you probably could drop 
Cuthbert just because he's leaving so that you don't have to deal with the feelings of next year. But then he was unbelievable at the weekend. I don't, I just think don't know. change it. No, I don't think he will. don't think he will. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I think Sale will be very frustrated with two of the tries they conceded, which ultimately I think was was a difference. One was the the knock-on intercept in the first half where Flatty scores. Um, you know, off uh, Slade's break, Slade picked it up, didn't he? And then stuck it into a flat. And the second one was, um, you know, they got themselves back to five points down or something, I think it was. And then Hammersley, um, and I played with the hammer at Newcastle. He's a, he's a lovely lad. I reckon I could have turned a bit quicker than that. And I'm, my ankle's fucked. So poor lad, he just got stuck, didn't he? And he's looking for the ball. And then Cuthbert, he, try, he tries to lean into Cuthbert, loses the collision off the ball. Um, and Jack Noll scores it. And you end up, when you look back at semi-finals, both semi-finals, you look back at them as the losing team and you can pinpoint a few things. Big swings in the game were those two tries that Sale conceded, soft tries. Alex Anderson said it after the game uh, that I've just described. And also for, for Bristol, who capitulated a bit in the second half, the two tries that they conceded were the Max Malin's high ball that he drops just before half-time. And then when they're playing in their own 22 and it goes completely wrong and... Um, Chisholm picks up and scores and, and in semi-finals you just can't do that we'll talk about the Lions later but just while we're talking about Hoggy every expert has nailed him on as uh, their starting fullback have you is, have you guys noticed any concerns about his form well he's dyed his hair bright blonde didn't he why he looked so good wow. in the Six Nations it was thick it was lush he was playing well he's dyed his hair blonde he's tried to do the, the Phil Foden and uh, no. I don't I don't want to be horrible here. And he did a really good deed for me this week. So Hoggy sent me a video message for the Cookmeister. So John Pennycook Cookie, uh, aka Koo, because he's half the man he used to be because he's lost loads of weight. He sent me a 60th birthday message to him. And naturally, whenever you see Hoggy, whenever I get a video off him, whenever I see him personally, you you, you look straight for the head, don't you? you? Look straight for the head of hair. And on the video. <sighs> He was thinning again. I've said it. Oh, mate. Why are you being horrible? Yeah, it was. It is thinning slightly. So is there question marks around the lid? I'll leave it to the masses. Um, I thought he's been going really well. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the sale game the week before in maybe as much detail. And it's a massive, ballsy call. It's a ballsy call because you look at that back three. O'Flaherty plays unbelievably every, every week. Alex Cuthbert is obviously off. Baxter mentioned they can't fit him into the salary cap. He's been injured for large parts of his extra career. Hoggy has been their star player. Really, mm. his appetite to want to play after the World Cup in the final weeks of the Six Nations. So that commitment, week on week on week on week, captain in Scotland as we go into a Lions tour. And, you know, is Jack Noll going to get called up to the Lions off the back of that performance? I reckon he might, not just for that performance, but how good he is with ball in hand. But I still would say that Hoggy is the man in possession of that 15 jersey. But I don't yeah. know whether I'm blinkered by loyalty and love. Well, no, I, th- I think you're right. I th- You know, you look at when they all get in camp and, you know, obviously we know the Lions are going to play this week against Japan and probably Liam Williams will start at fullback in, in that game. Uh, you know, there's then, what is the five games pre the first test um, for where they'll all get a shot. And uh, listen, Hoggies, you don't lose your class overnight. You know, the old saying, class is permanent, form is temporary. And, you know, he might have had one bad game. I don't think Gats is going to look at that. He knows how to get the best out of Stuart Hogg. Um, the, the one question mark around Hoggy is, I don't think Gats has ever started him in a test match, has he? 
I still think his favourite start of fullback as it stands right now, just because he hasn't got picked for a, a club game. Um, yeah, albeit a big semi-final. I, I don't think that'll impact yet. How do you guys see the final going? <laughs> Quinn's till we die, is it not? Quinn's <laughs> oh, no. till we die, is it, Jim? Eh? I feel bad because it's if you're going based on everything you've seen, you've got to go with Exeter, haven't you? You've got to go with Exeter. Um I don't know. It is a hard one to call because it's a one-off game. You And you look at the emotion after the semi-final from Quinns and it was like they just won the final. And I completely get it. I completely understand why. They've gone away from home to Ashton Gate, losing 28-0, and they've gone into extra time and all the emotion around that. Like, it would have taken a bit out of you. It would have taken a bit out of the whole team. That tank is empty. That tank, come Saturday, 5 o'clock, whenever it was, they're having a few jars in the change room, but their tank was fully empty, wasn't it? And you're up against a team like Exeter, who, albeit had 30 points scored against them by sale, um, but are a lot tighter in terms of the way that they play. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot more structured. I think it's a really interesting final. I think... I, I want Quinns to go there and play, play, play. I want us to go there and just throw everything at it. And, you know, don't go into... Look, listen to me. Harlequins, listen to me. Don't go there and start kicking and doing all these things. Just play, 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 big fellas. Um, they've got the quality. Um, clearly, they have. Uh, to, to go down to Bristol's and win in the way in which they did, they, they've obviously got, a, got a, a decent shot at the weekend. Jim, you've hugely disappointed all our Harlequins listeners there because I got a numerous amount of messages over the weekend from so Quinns fans on social media saying Jim wrote the team talk for them by completely writing them off on the rugby pod last week. <laughs> Influence. By the fact that you're now saying there's a chance, there's no chance. I'm happy to say that they don't have a chance. Stick your name on a scoreline and it will galvanise Harlequins uh, because your scoreline will probably be heavily in Exeter's favour. The question should be, Andrew, the question should be is who do you want to win? Why are you being horrible, mate? We're impartial on the rugby pod here. Exeter we're Chiefs. Fa- we're, <laughs> we're, fa- <laughs> we're fans. Exeter. <laughs> um, but it's, it's like you go back to the World Cup 2019 and I don't want to bring it up again, but England, did they play their final by beating New Zealand in the semi-final and then a week later perhaps didn't turn up to a final? Can you see Harlequins doing that? Not in terms of how they're going to play, because I think they're just going to continue doing what they're doing. But extra, this is their sixth final on the spin. They did the double last year. They're used to these big knockout games. They've never is lost a semi-final. Stat? Yeah, six on the spin. Never lost a semi-final since they've made them. And they've made six finals on the spin. You know, And they had their scare, I think, they had their scare round 22 of the Premiership when Sale nearly turned them over. They nearly lost the home semi-final. And you saw a very different team in this semi-final. The way they came out the blocks... And I think what they'll try and do to Harlequins very early on is do what they did to Sale and they'll just try and blitz them. They know it'd be a really interesting set-piece battle, actually, because that's where Exeter have a lot of power and they you know get a lot of penalties and, and, and advantage from that. And to be fair to Quinns, Joe Marler, probably scrummaging like the best loose head in the world at the minute, Wilco Lowe as well, proper tight head. So that battle's going to be interesting. That was arguably... The changing point of the weekend as well. Like mm. Marler in the front row, having played 125 minutes, losing the front of his hair. Mohawk's now gone. He's got an extra kid with a helicopter coming into the game. His performance in the scrum, and they're, they're good at line-out defence as well. And that's where Exeter, obviously where, the way they play, scrum penalties, line-out penalties, kick to the corner, and that's all she wrote. So from that perspective, 
Yes, but then also their discipline. If you remember, they went with this counter-rucking mentality against Bristol's and they were getting pinged off the park left, right and centre. You do that against Exeter, Slady kicks it to the corner like he did against Saracens at the end of my career. What a nudge that was. He went out. That went out and never got picked up. I was there, mate. It was a hell of a kick. Yeah, I wasn't, but... That's what I mean. That's that. That's the issue that you've got. Your discipline's got to be on point against Exeter. Otherwise, you are 100% losing the game. Right, well, let's have a quick look at the Pro 14 as well because it was the Rainbow Cup final at the weekend. Jim, your Benetton defeated the Bulls to take it out. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Not just Another way, them. is it? Well, two years ago, Andrew, I was there but, but building up a documentary about the foundations of the club and how good they are. <laughs> and Seb Negri and Marco Bortolami both said to me, this is the turning point. When I was there in the huddle, quote unquote, whether or not it's to do with me or not, I just remember them saying, when I'm in the huddle with them, in Italian, something about it being the turning point. You fast forward, a cup that was never going to unfold or materialise, ended up materialising, Benetton top the Northern Hemisphere for the Rainbow Cup, Zibulls top it as well. They come up to Italy, boiling hot heat, Stevie Ferris is there, sunburnt with Bobby Skinstad on Premier Sports, no one saw an absolute slipper coming apart from the United Colours of Benetton. They were united. I see what you've done there. See, just tying it all in together. That's, you know, I just put, I just put the jigsaw together. But it, look, speaking frankly, huge. You know, for Kieran Crowley's last game, he's going up to, upstairs at Italy, but he's done a fantastic job there. And I went there and there was some, and I tweeted it, some wicked people involved, they're grafters. Um, yeah, they haven't got many star names in the ranks in terms of world-class, world-renowned names, but it's not a fluke because it's not a fluke to top the the northern part of the Rainbow Cup and then to beat a South African team. Yes, the travel that they had to do and, and put in, but I thought it was class. You remember when you were in that huddle at Benetton all those years ago, two years ago, and you, you thought they were saying this is the turning point? Are you sure... They weren't saying Jim's a turncoat and he'll he'll leave this huddle and then he'll bag us for a couple of years and then he'll try and claim that it was all him when they get the victory. Because in the Pro 14, they played 16, didn't win a game. Yet they've yeah, somehow turned old, it around. But that's old news. That's old news. Yeah, exactly. It? Somehow they've turned it around and they've you know finished top of the log in terms of the Northern Hemisphere and then absolutely battered the Bulls. I think the Bulls thought they were going to rock up. Yes, they left a few South Africans at home in terms of Test match players, but... I thought they, the way they looked, they, they were going to rock up and just dismantle Benetton. But it was their pants that got pulled down, wasn't it, James? The Blues won the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman final at the weekend. And their CEO, Andrew Hoare, said that there's plans to create a Champions League-style global club competition with teams from the Southern Hemisphere, Europe, and potentially the USA and Japan. That's now underway. The, the talks are now underway. Can you guys see that happening? Do we even need something like that in rugby? I don't think we need it right now. I think the premiership is far too strong. There's been a revamp of the Pro 14 United Rugby Championship and it'll be interesting to see how that goes with the South African teams now confirmed in it. I don't know if we need it. I'll be honest. I'll say it again. I think there's a need for global season, summer rugby potentially. I mean, they, they might need it more than us in the profile. I love the structure of the European Cup that we saw last year, Andrew. Uh, with the top 16, you convinced me you were right. Um, obviously, how well Ealing did against Saracens, <laughs> albeit not the score. But, you know, I, I, I think everything's all right in the Northern Hemisphere. The top 14's ticking along. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, you rewind back a year and, you know, we were sat on this podcast and everyone was like, right, this is a great time to reset 
rugby and you know go with the global calendar and we had Augustin Pichot coming on wanting to change things they had Bill Beaumont who came on and um, he was a bit slower to change things and it was you know everyone was making these fantastic noises around aligning the whole of world rugby with a structure um, you know from the club game to the international game where everything is aligned and we're a year later what the fuck's changed um, nothing's changed has it so and what it is to me genuinely you look at the super rugby competition that we've seen and we spoke about it over the last few weeks uh obviously the south african teams have, have have drifted away from that now and they're joining the united rugby championship the kiwis are looking at it going wait we've just hosed all the australian teams by about 50 points every week we need some more competition we need a slice of the pie up north because there's a decent competitions there there's a bit of money and all this stuff and again it'll all boil down to oh there'll be imagine the tv rights that'll be sold just remember the European Super League football debacle that went on when five or six or seven or eight clubs said, yeah, we're having it. We're having all the cash. We've got everything. And then the fans went into uproar. I'm with Jim. Like, I don't mind the fact that you try and get a Super Rugby winner playing a European Champions Cup winner in a one-off game. Um, but you know, to have, how are you having a league when you've got to travel 100 years to get to New Zealand? and COVID and quarantine. It's just not happening, is it? The fact that we're still in the game now and, you know, 14, 15 months down the line of the pandemic and we've still got every club in the premiership still alive, you know, the same in Ireland, the same in Scotland, the same in Wales and some of them by the skin of their teeth. But I don't think you need to to try and chuck something else in there to, to change things up again. Um, where you're talking about a global club competition it's basically going to be the the top teams trying to cream everything off the top and the lesser teams will disappear. So yeah, I, I I think it's a pipe dream. I think there's things to be looked at over the coming five or 10 years as USA rugby grows um, and the league there and obviously the Japanese uh, top league. But the reality of a global league like that is just crazy. Geographically, it ain't going to happen. We've got the Premiership final to come this weekend still, but the summer of international rugby is getting underway and Eddie Jones is added some sale and Bristol players to his England squad. Good to see Manu back, guys. Not if you're American or Canadian, no. But great if you're English. And even better news if you're Jacob Umunga, because you're in the shit, just give it Manu. Harry Randall, Max Malins, and Will Capon have been added from Bristol. Are you surprised that Piers O'Connor isn't in? Yeah, I am a little bit, because he's been brilliant for Bristol, hasn't he? Uh, you know, playing 13, playing on the wing as well. And I'm surprised that he hasn't been given a shout. You've been nominated as one of the players of the season. He didn't win it, but he was on the shortlist for player of the season in the Premiership. So, yeah, form dictates yes. Eddie Jones says no, and we've heard that before, haven't we? The British and Irish Lions series gets underway this weekend as well, with the first warm-up game against Japan at Murrayfield. Are you guys excited? What are you, what are you expecting from this one? I'm there. Is that what you're asking or not? Is that what you're asking? Are you bothered? Is anyone bothered? I don't think you asked that, Jim, but I am yeah. looking forward to it. And I'm in, like, looking forward to hearing about your day at the uh, the Lions test at Murrayfield. I'm excited to watch it live. Now, I've, I've spoken about it many times. Four years ago, me and Andrew were in New Zealand. Didn't think it was going to be that good. It was absolutely unbelievable. So there's going to be some fans at BT Murrayfield, a lot of happy people, a lot of upset people who've missed out on tickets. So it's the start. It's here. There's been a huge build-up, as it now? I know they're not going to be at full noise because they've still got players to come back into the squad who'll be playing at the final. Um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be class. I mean, it's a great opening game. Uh, against Japan. Japan have been fantastic. Uh, well, they were a couple of years ago. I've not seen much of them since. Uh, but this is it now. It's uh, it's on, like Donkey Kong. And, 
you know, looking at some of the kind of video clips that the Lions have been putting out, it'll be interesting to see what team they put out. Looks like Dan Bigaroo is going to be starting at 10. I think that's fairly obvious, to be fair, <laughs> considering Faz was playing in the big one against Ealing, which was a close encounter. <laughs> and obviously Finn as well was playing in the semi-final. I can't wait. Yeah, it should be good. should be really good. And it'll be interesting, first hit out, to see everyone starts to kind of look at combinations, don't they? around who's he going to play together, who's he going to end up picking in the Test Series. It's an opportunity. I think I think it'll be fairly comfy for the Lions. So exciting looking at some of the clips from, from Jersey. They look like they're having a good time. They're training hard, but also, you know, they're bonding together, playing a bit of golf and, and different things. So, um, yeah, everyone, I think everyone, to a man, to a woman, to a child that supports the Lions, cannot wait for the game. Shall we finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly? Oh, God. Yeah, go on then. Let's start off. And we're going to start off with a bit of a recap from last week. So in the good last week, I mentioned Biritz and Stefan Armitage slotting the winner of the Pro D2 playoff game to get them promoted against their nearest and dearest rivals, Bayon. However, I'm sticking Biritz back in the good this week. And specifically, one of our listeners is just the Biritz owner, Louis Vincent Gave. Louis Vincent gave. What a bloke. Anyway, he's a long-time listener of the podcast. He messaged me last week on Instagram uh, and he corrected me, said it wasn't a dog shit game. It's one of the best games he's ever seen, even though it's six all. I'm sure Um, it was, yeah. But he's getting a mention in the goo this week because as the owner of Biritz, after they won that game, what does he do? He gets a plane, flies the lad straight to Ibiza, doesn't he? What a legend of an owner. So Louis Vincent gave... I've probably pronounced the surname wrong, but what a legend you are. What a hero. You get a mention in the good this week. Long-time listener, legendary club owner of Biritz. Was he asking for me or not? Did he mention me? He was. He said, Jim, it's not a stag do. Tell Jim it's not a stag do, but it's a celebration. And we're invited next year to go to Biritz and get absolutely... Eat steak. Game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll go and eat some steak and have a few beers at a game. So uh, looking forward to that. Even I found one French person that likes me, so I'm happy. Um, what else was good? We'll go to New Zealand. We'll go to your country, Andy Rowe. The Blues, they beat the Highlanders 23-15 to win their first Super Rugby title for 18 years. Uh, Blake Gibbons try in the Dying Embers sealed a deserved win at Eden Park. So well done to the Blues. That will really hurt Andy Rowe because he's a Saders fan. What else was good? We'll, we'll leave there. We'll go over to France. Toulouse and La Rochelle. Both won the semi-finals of the top 14 to make the final and a repeat of the Champions Cup final, so tip the slipper to them. Um, we always got to get one of my old clubs in the goo, don't we, Jim? We're going to give a mention to Saracens. I played for Saracens many, many moons ago. Uh, promoted back to the Premiership with victory over Ealing. Uh, so welcome back to the Premiership. Make sure your books are in order because Andrew, all the boys are coming don't, back. You don't, need to, you don't need to put that bit in. You can just say, well tip done, the slipper to Saracens. Like, there we go. Just say that. That's all you need to say. And well done. Great Group of people, yeah, tip the slipper to them. Tip the slipper, just make sure the books are, are running fairly smoothly for next year. Uh, what else was good? Exeter through to their sixth straight final. Uh, a phenomenal achievement by them. Harlequins get a mention in the good gym. Uh, they don't yeah. win it this week, but they produced the biggest comeback in Premiership history in a semi-final against Semi, and they had a Semi at the end of it as well. Um, so massive tip of the slipper to Harlequins for winning that semi-final. We'll go over to the Sevens world and Ireland. Island Sevens and friend of the show, Greg O'Shea, qualified for the Olympics by beating France 28 points to 19 in the final in Monaco. Uh, so imagine Greg O'Shea and his Instagram will be out in Tokyo for the Olympics, just loving life in the fans' village, being a celebrity. Just come on the pod, mate, again. We'll, we'll have him on. Uh, but the good this week goes to Benetton. 
winning the Rainbow Cup against the Bulls. Hell of a turnaround after not winning a game in the Pro 14 season where they went 16 matches without victory. Just leave they... that bit out. Leave that bit out and just say, well done. It's such an upturn that that's why they get the goo. They didn't win a game okay. in the Pro 14 season. They end up winning the Rainbow Cup by spanking the Bulls 35 points to eight. Uh, quality performance. And they've had mentions in the bad this year because they've been bad. But when they're good, my goodness, Benetton, they have got rid of all the skeletons of Jim Hamilton's trip over there. They've binned all that off. They've got rid of the negativity. They're now in a positive mindset and they win the Rainbow Cup. So tip of the slipper to Benetton. They get the good this week. Hoo That's in Italian here, here in Italian. The bad. Uh, well, we'll start off in France and Racing. They lost the semi-final at the weekend to La Rochelle, but it's not just about losing semi-finals. The way they lost it and the manner that they lost it that will hurt them. They had Finn Russell, Gail Fiku, Vakatawa, Teddy Thomas, Curtly Beal. They all played in the back line. Didn't even score a try, boys. They only kicked two penalties. Uh, so they could only muster six points. So they'll be very disappointed that they didn't fire a shot in a semi-final. That gets to mention the bad. Uh, what else gets to mention? Bristol's, unfortunately, their second half capitulation, um, letting Harlequins back in the game with a couple of errors. They'll be kicking themselves today, I'm sure, with seeing that as a missed opportunity to try and win the Prem. So they get a mention in the bad. Um, the Bulls get a mention. Didn't rock up for a final. Was it overconfidence? They had their pants pulled down, so they're going to get a mention. But the bad this week, I'm just going to hang out some referees to dry. The inconsistency in refereeing the high tackles across the world. And we're seeing complaints. Rob Baxter's been out there complaining. Loads of people from the Southern Hemisphere. I'm basically aiming this one at the referee of the Super Rugby final who gave Ash Dixon a yellow card. All I'm going to do is I'm going to implore everyone to Google Ash Dixon's tackle on or Terry Black. Clearest red card you've ever seen in your life. If we're trying to change the game to protect the players, it's got to be a red. Don't fly out the line and smash someone on the head. The inconsistency of referees, especially in New Zealand, you're getting the bad this week. Uh, and then the ugly, uh, only one bit of ugly really, but that tackle from Ash Dixon, which is ugly as well, so that gets a mention. But Jim mentioned it earlier, when you see this tackle... Olapano Suteni's hit on Roman Untermach, who got stretched off, is just an absolute horror show. Suteni was out of control, flew out the line, slammed into his head, head on head, flying out of the tackle. You really hope that Roman Untermach's okay, but it was a really horrific tackle. One of the worst I've seen. So Suteni of Bordeaux, you get the ugly this week. Error. Thanks, Goody. You guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we've got a few today. So the first one came through from Ben Gerry. Do you remember Ben Gero? Went to school with him. With? Went to oh, school with go. him. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I was at Leicester with him in the back row, slash hooker. Fantastic player. Great lad. Love the chop. Uh, live with Sam Vesti. Anyway, uh, enough of them details and more about what they're doing. So, yeah, he's doing a 100-mile cycle with an 8,500-foot climb. He wanted me to get that bit in there to obviously show how big the numbers are and how tough it's going to be. Snowdon, yeah, he is hard, yeah. And Snowdon on Friday, the 26th of June, to raise money for Community Action Nepal. There's around 40 people doing it this year. Former England Sevens international Nick Baxter is one of them. Apparently did it last year as well. And they did 117 miles because he took a wrong turn. So he's obviously very fit. Um, so good luck to everyone. Justgiving.com forward slash team MSS 2021 if you want to show them some support. But yeah, good on you lads. Good on you, Garrett. Yeah, good luck with that. A big shout out to them and a shout out to some boys in Singapore 
who are taking on the West to East Challenge in a 10k vest on Friday the 26th of June as well. They're running 58 kilometers in weight vests across Singapore and with temperatures of around 30 degrees and 75% humidity. Can you imagine the sweat? It's going to be absolutely brutal. Uh, they're trying to raise close to $100,000 for two amazing charities, the Motor Neurone Disease Association and Singapore Cancer Society. Ex-Harlequins back row, Will Skinner and 15 other lads are doing the challenge. So just check out give.asia forward slash campaign forward slash the boys tackle west to east SG if you want to help them out. What a challenge that is. I'd be weighing in with a 10k vest on on top of my clothes. 150. I'll be weighing in at 110 these days. Jeez. Imagine the sweat. <laughs> well, I'll be the judge of that when I see you on Wednesday. I can't wait. Um, yeah, so last shout out, and it's happening this weekend, actually, on the Friday and Saturday in the lead up to the Lions match at the weekend. There's a trek for Doddy. Uh, it's taking place across uh, the borders, and they're coming up to Edinburgh for the game. A load of former internationals are trekking the 30 miles from Doddy Weir's farm, which is in the Scottish borders, to BT Murrayfield the day... Uh, before I, I've told the lads to probably leave three or four days before, but they're not listening to me. Um, but look, it's all in the name of my name's Doddy Foundation. We know the amazing stuff that they've done, the amazing people involved in that charity, which is obviously close to mine and your heart, Goody. So good luck to everyone. If you want to get behind that campaign, again, it's a justgivingpage.com uh, forward slash campaign Lions Trek for Doddy. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and head on over to Spotify and we'll see you there. I'm coming down, boys. It's the Rugby Spot. Spot it, pod, 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 pod. See you on Wednesday. Uh-huh.